1209, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us as we do every day. First couple segments of the program, but just the first couple segments of the program. We live stream on Facebook. You can go to Facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ and you can participate and watch me as I try to make radio magic on a given day. All right. Hey, here, here's some big news. Michael Moore. Remember Michael? Michael Moore hasn't done anything interesting since his first documentary, Roger and Me. But, you know, Ro- Michael Moore, big time lefty. He's got a new thing coming out. It's called Fahrenheit 11.9. And it's, again, it's an expose of the Trump administration, et cetera, et cetera. Michael Moore is saying that if he gets in trouble for this documentary, He's already planning to, let's see, I'm going to give you three guesses, but the first two don't count. He's planning to move to Canada. Yes, he is going to move to Canada if he gets into any trouble as a result of this new anti-Trump documentary he's got coming out. All right, can I see a show of hands? All right, Michael Moore, gee, leaving the country. Let's think about this for a second um, what's the general reaction? Well, don't let the border door hit you on the way out. But here, here's the reason it's so difficult to take him seriously, because I pulled up a list of, uh, let, let me just give you 10 celebrities who promised, they promised that if Donald Trump were elected president, they were heading for Canada. Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad, Lena Durham, uh, Dunham of, of Girls. Let's see, Miley Cyrus, Amy Schumer. John Stewart, John Stewart, Barbara Streisand. Streisand said she was going to move to Canada if George Bush got reelected. She's still in Malibu. Cher said she was headed out. Um, Whoopi Goldberg said she was headed out. Samuel Jackson said he was headed out. George Lopez was headed out. Here's what I think we need to do. Maybe we get together a bus, put all these celebrities on it, and let Michael Moore drive it, and let them head north of the border if they think things are so well. Just saying. All right, let us get started. The Brett Kavanaugh situation has, I guess, it's it's just gotten even more bizarre if that was possible. Everybody knows the story by now, but let's review the bidding very, very quickly. Sometime this summer, a woman who says 36 years ago she had an encounter somewhere at some party in sort of suburban Maryland, and Brett Kavanaugh, in the presence of one of his buddies, he threw her on the bed and tried to pull her bathing suit off. And then they started rolling around. She got away, and nothing ever came of it. She did not tell anybody about this until in 2012, while involved in couples therapy. I don't know if she had suppressed this recollection or whatever, but but she told her therapist. Now, what she told her therapist was different than what she is saying now, but sometime this summer when Brett Kavanaugh was um, one of the finalists for the next Supreme Court appointment, and she she reached out to her congresswoman, sent a letter to Diane Feinstein, and of course Kavanaugh was never questioned about this. And then last weekend, the woman now goes public with this. All right. So correctly, I think they have decided. All right, we're not going to advance the Kavanaugh nomination out of the committee until we give an opportunity for him to respond to this and for the woman to testify under oath. All right. So they say we're going to set aside this time. On Monday, for her to, to come in and she can testify under oath, he'll testify under oath, and then we'll go from there. She, at least as of this point in time, 
is declining to make to either provide a written statement or to appear and testify under oath. They can't force her to do that. So Republicans are saying, all right, look, if she doesn't show up Monday, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have the vote. And you have Democrats that are screaming bloody murder uh, about this. Oh, this this is terrible, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, we've talked about that aspect of it. But here's what I want to discuss, which I think is kind of the more interesting thing moving forward. Assuming that Republicans senators stick to their guns and say, all right, you know, we, we want to give this woman an opportunity, admittedly belatedly, because she didn't come forward until after the essentially the last minute. But we want to give her a chance to tell her story. Assuming that she refuses to show up and refuses to testify under oath. Now, the conventional wisdom out in Washington is that this will come at a huge political cost to Republicans in November, that there will be a huge backlash, particularly from women who aren't enamored with Donald Trump to begin with, if if the Kavanaugh hearing and the Kavanaugh confirmation is quote-unquote rushed. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Maybe I am an outlier, but but I've actually been listening over the course of the last several days to the thoughts of, frankly, of a number of my female friends. And to a person, I, I will say this, that most of the people I talk to, male and female, are, are skeptical of the timing of, of all this. But candidly, I think this is the way the GOP should proceed. I don't think you can allow this to be drawn out forever. And I think the timing of this just reeks of politics. And I think if the accuser wants to come forward and tell her story, based as how she can remember it, I think she's got an opportunity to do it, and the opportunity is Monday. And you know what? I don't think there's going to be any significant additional blowback if the committee says, we gave her an opportunity to appear, she passed on this, boom, we are moving on. Matter of fact, I think where the blowback is going to be is if they agree to stall the nomination. I think there's a lot of people out there that see this for what I believe it is, which is an attempt to delay a Hail Mary to delay the confirmation of Judge Kavanaugh. 414-799-1620, but let's discuss this. Will this be politically disastrous for Republicans if the woman refuses, declines, whatever word you want to use, to testify, and they go ahead and they confirm Kavanaugh? Is that going to be something that you're going to see political retribution? My answer is I I don't think so. As a matter of fact, I think the bigger backlash will be if Republicans give in to this. 414-799-1620. 414-799-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. Once again, we are live streaming this. It's facebook.com slash 620 WTMJ. That's what I think. What do you think? How should the Republicans proceed? And more interestingly, will there be a huge blowback if they go ahead? We discuss next. If you're on the line, please hold on. 1216 Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1219 Jeff Wagner WTMJ All right now now here's here is the sentiments out there let me share a text I think when you're under investigation by a special prosecutor for possibly colluding with our enemies and interfering in our own elections then you don't get to make lifetime supreme court nominations Trump is likely months away from being impeached All right now I understand that that's the we hate Trump attitude that is that is out there 
That, of course, has nothing to do with whether or not Brett Kavanaugh is qualified to be a justice on the United States Supreme Court. And I understand for the Trump haters, well, all right, nothing's going to satisfy them. And, And this is, well, we've got to stop this at all costs. My point is, I think that there's a lot of people who might not be in the Trump hater category who are looking at the timing of all this and the way it is being orchestrated and are coming to the conclusion that this this is a new low in American politics and in the area of character assassination. And if they want if this woman wants to come forward and she wants to testify under oath, that that's fine. I think you give her the opportunity to do that. But if she chooses not to avail herself of that opportunity, and she's under no obligation to, by the way, but but if she's not willing to come forward and say this under oath, I, I think it, it's time that you have to move on. And I don't think it is fair for people to have their character assassinated based on allegations of stuff that they might have done or allegedly did 36 years ago if the person who is making those allegations is unwilling to come forward publicly and say so under oath. And I think a lot of America is with me on that. Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, I, I agree that Republicans should go ahead with uh, it. And uh, two reasons, too. I have I have kind of doubts of why she wants to testify, because I think the penalties she lies to Congress are a lot more severe than if she lies to the FBI. And also, if she drags it on, it gets close to the election. It's more of an issue. We only have 54 days. So if she can drag on an FBI investigation, it'll get well, closer. I think it's all being orchestrated. Well, oh, Joe, there, regardless of the merits of what she is saying, there is no question at all that this was an organized effort to try to delay the proceedings. And it, it was cooked up, I think, by Diane Feinstein. Keep in mind that the Diane Feinstein had this information in, in July. You know, she could have asked Kavanaugh questions about it at the public hearings. She could have asked him about it at the private hearings. She chose not to do this. She tried she chose to spring this right before the confirmation vote was, okay, That's th- this is an orchestrated attempt to try to delay stuff. No, thanks for coming. And I don't think anybody can argue about that, you know, one way or the other. Um, and and this, this, this effort to try to smear people's character, to me, it, it really is a new low. And, I mean, you saw this with Robert Bork. You saw it with Clarence Thomas. And now you're seeing it with Brett Kavanaugh. Now, look, I here, here's the truth of the matter. Even if she testifies under oath, I don't think anybody's going to be able to tell one way or the other. She's going to say, well, I re- I'm unclear on the details. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. But I'm sure it was him. Uh, all right. And, and then and he says, no, this this isn't me. No, but she, by her own acknowledgement, didn't tell anybody about this. The people that she's named as being at, supposedly being at this party, they say that that did not happen. I don't know. But still... You have assassinated this man's character. And one of the things I keep coming back to is that when, when you have allegations like this, there is generally a pattern. If somebody treats women in this particular fashion, for example, Bill Cosby, Harvey Weinstein, the list goes on and on. Generally, it's not a one-off type of thing. Generally, there's, well, he did this to me, he did this to me. You, you have this pattern that ends up developing. And at least in this case, through 50-plus years of, of life, including multiple security clearances and, and being backgrounded, checked by the FBI, nobody else has come forward to say any sort of behavior like this at all. And that then makes me skeptical. Now, is the lady lying? I don't know. 
I, I, I don't know. Nobody's ever going to know. Is she misrecollecting things? Does she have stuff mixed up? Um, is did something perhaps happen, but it's not what she's saying ended up happening? I, I, I don't know. And, and you're never going to get to the bottom of this. But the bottom line is, I think she should be given an opportunity to testify. But you can't just allow people to say, okay, well, I'm going to do this on my own time. I'm going to set the timetable. No, if if she if she wants to come forward and she wants to say this stuff under oath, I, I think that she gets the opportunity to do it, but she gets the opportunity to do it on Monday. And if she chooses not to, fine, then you end up moving on. Now, I said in the lead up to this that um, I have a friend, female friend of mine, um, who had an interesting take on this. And she said, Jeff, you know, I've been listening to you talk about this. I, I, I want to, I wonder, let me just ask you this question. What do you think happens if between now and Monday, the accuser checks herself into a medical facility and says that because of the stress or the strain or the threats or whatever, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm not able to travel and I need medical attention or whatever. What do you end up doing then? And do you think this is even possible? And I had to say, well, I, I haven't considered that, but given, given the way this is all going, would something like that surprise me? All right. Then what do you end up doing? Well, she can't testify because, you know, she's seeking medical treatment for stress or whatever. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but one of, uh, again, one of my friends threw that out there as, the latest step, I mean, you know, if if you're going to say, okay, I'm going to be anonymous, I, I don't want to stand behind this, I don't want to come forward, and then now I've decided to come forward, but I don't want to testify, or if I testify under oath, I don't want it to be now, I want it to be after an FBI investigation into stuff that happened 30-plus years ago. I, I'm just telling you, if you think that this circus is anywhere close to ending, the reality is it's not. But more importantly, if if Republicans think they should back down and they're afraid of a backlash, I don't really think that's going to be the case. Because, again, I know that there's the people out there that hate Donald Trump and want to do anything they can as part of the resistance to try to stop Trump from accomplishing anything. And for them... All right. Well, the you know, if Brett Kavanaugh gets a gets a vote, gets approved, that's going to be another one of the issues that are out there. But I, I think for most people, uh, unless you're deep into the Trump derangement syndrome, I, I think most people would say, look, if she's got a complaint, she should come forward. She should air it. And then let's let's end up having the vote and moving on. I don't think it's going to hurt Republicans with suburban women or anything like that. I think a lot of people recognize that this is untimely in the extreme, and it's time to get this over with. 1226, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. It's 1228, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Running back Aaron Jones returns from suspension this week against the Redskins. How will his role impact the Packers' offense? Greg Matzik and Jeff Falconio debate tonight. Tune in, 635, on Miller Lite's Packers Playbook. Absolutely. Hey, this is another one of these stories. We, You know, I understand that there's... Um, some politicians, including Tony Evers, who wants to be governor, who talk about how we've got too many people in jail. And, and what we need to do is we need to find alternatives to incarceration. You know, we don't we don't want to lock all these people up. And I don't want to lock people up either, except 
the people that deserve to be locked up. And one of the great lies, one of the great myths that's being perpetrated by some people is that the prisons in Wisconsin are filled with people who don't belong there. Truth of the matter is, and I've said this before, you got to work to get yourself thrown into prison. You're either somebody who has committed multiple crimes over a period of time, or you're somebody that's done something really bad. I mean, do we seriously want to say that if somebody walks up to your spouse, sticks a gun in their face, and takes their car, that they don't belong to be in prison? But anyhow, I understand there's a sentiment. Let's find other alternatives. Let's figure out things to do. Let's let's monitor people. Now, here's the story. Um, 61-year-old guy, his name is Stephen Smith. All right, he was he was on monitoring, and I'm not sure what he did that had him on monitoring, but he had one of these GPS bracelets. Apparently, what happened is he was named as a suspect in the sexual assault of a 16-year-old in July of 2018. All right, so he's named as a suspect in a sexual assault. He's He's on ankle bracelet monitoring. So once he finds out that he is being investigated, what does he do? He cuts off the ankle bracelet and is a fugitive. Now, the good news is that they caught him, but he's been on the run for, you know, the better part of a month now. What good is it to have people on this sort of monitoring if they can cut off the ankle bracelet and then they can just kind of disappear? Now, again, they, they caught him, and that's a credit to the authorities. But you know, maybe we want to think about doing stuff like that continuing to use these sort of techniques when you're dealing with people who, at least in this case, are allegedly a suspect now in the assault of a 16-year-old. Just saying. When we come back, it is a problem that is affecting each and every one of us. How bad is it really? We'll talk about it. 1236, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Craig Hendrick, and Tim Maste, or Max McGee, who's the best punter in the Packers' history? Make your vote in this week's position battle for Green Bay 100 all-time 53-man Packers roster. Text 100 to 414-799-1620 for a link to vote. All right. Last Friday evening, I went to watch my nephew play soccer. My nephew's like 11 years old, so... You know, it was one of the area soccer fields. It was actually kind of close to where I live. So I went, and it was an evening soccer game. I think it started at, I think it started at 6, right, because it gets darker early. So it started at 6 from 7 o'clock. So where the soccer field was is it was um, uh, sort of by the Milwaukee River, sort of. And it, it it was okay when I got there at 6. By 6.45, Gru, who is producing the program today, do you want to guess what happened by about 6.45? Mosquitoes. Yes. Hungry, big mosquitoes. My sister-in-law had, had, you know, like the deep woods off stuff, which I, I just, I just, I hate it because it's kind of like greasy feeling, but it, it didn't matter. I, I'm, I'm putting that stuff all over me. It didn't help. It was just, uh, it, it was kind of like putting bacon fat on a donut for the mosquitoes. That's sort of what it was. Oh, these people have off. Good. That's going to be our appetizer. I, I, I came away. Just completely chewed up. I was smart enough to say, okay, I'm going to wear blue jeans instead of shorts, even though the fact it was warm. And thank goodness, because otherwise it would have been like that. So Saturday morning, ended up uh, again back at the same soccer field to watch the, the game. Not as bad, but still a ton of them. Then over the weekend, was at another place where I, I made the decision. I, I like to eat outside. I, I, I just do. And was outside trying to eat outside, and then after about 10 minutes, it was apparent this is not going to work. Got to go inside to get away from the mosquitoes. 
it has been just an absolute nightmare all around here. Now, I bring this up because in the category of Misery Loves Company, um, yesterday they had the, the exclusive preview night for the, the China Lights show that they do down in Hales Corners. And if you've ever seen, if you've ever, if you've ever seen China Lights, you know how cool that is. And if you haven't seen it, well, you, you really should. I mean, it's just, it's a wonderful thing. They do it down in Hales Corners. Um, the, the show itself starts on Saturday and it runs through October 21st. So it's a great opportunity to see it. But one of the recurring themes from everybody who went down to see it is it just, the mosquitoes descended. Uh, it was just absolutely unbearable to the point that again, you've got all the people with, you know, the deep woods off and stuff and, it, and it's not making a difference. Now, I understand why we, we have this going on, because we've had all this rain that's out in the area, and it's been, you know, normally by this time, the mosquitoes are kind of dying down. Now, it, it's been a mosquito breeding season to the point that trying to do anything outdoors is almost impossible. Talking to a good friend of mine, one of the guys I play golf with all the time, and I, I like I couldn't play last week because I went to the Packers game at Lambeau Field, and he said, well, just as well because, you know, 9.30 in the morning on the golf course, he said it, it was almost like you're just getting completely and totally bitten up, especially if you're anywhere by by the water, and there's really not a lot of stuff that you can do. All right, this is something that I think is impacting all of us. And I, I wanted to talk about it for just one segment. Our number, 414-799-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are the mosquitoes, which, again, I, I don't know that there's anything that anybody can do about it, but given how bad they are right now, are they affecting some of your choices? Are they making you rethink Gee, I, I was going to eat outside. Wonderful evening. I was going to dine on the patio at my favorite restaurant. But you know what? After five minutes, I was getting chewed up. I couldn't be out there. I'd love to go to that particular outdoor game or I was going to take a bike ride or whatever. But I can't do it because the mosquitoes are just so crazy. I will tell you. And I guess maybe I, I'm trying not to be a, a mosquito wimp about this. But it, it's so uncomfortable right now. That there's, you know, just some outdoor activities that I think I'm going to pass on until, well, maybe we get a little bit of cooler weather, which hopefully is going to be coming sometime soon, and, and these things try to go away. And, I, and look, there's nobody's fault that this is happening, but it's bad out there. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this affecting your lifestyle? And I, I mean, I, I often, I don't often say it because, like I say, I, I love eating outside, for example, and an occasional mosquito isn't going to bother me. But these aren't occasional mosquitoes. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm well, except I'm bitten up. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, I live uh, west of Waukesha in a rural area. And uh, it, it literally, it's like a cloud. You know, I was, <laughs> out there trying to, I was out there trying to split some wood and stuff like that, and I was completely covered. You know, and then the worst oh. part was, like I was telling you, Skinner, the worst part was, is before we got all the rain, the deer flies were horrendous. Oh, yeah. And they take divots out of you. You know, so I mean, it's just, you can't sit outside. I can't sit out on my desk. Right. I, I can't do anything. I go in the garage and try and work on some stuff. I'll try to do some stuff on my truck and things like that. It's just like, 
it's crazy. I've well, never, it's been a long time since right, I've seen it this bad. Right. You, it's interesting you say about the deer flies. I was taking my dog for a walk this morning, and you know, I, I'm kind of tuned into the mosquitoes. We live around some water and stuff, but I, I, I was getting bit, and it was, it was a couple. That's what it was. It was a couple of deer flies, and I'm thinking, oh my god, this is. The, all right, first you got the mosquitoes. Now you've got the deer flies that sting. No, it. Thanks for calling. This, this is a particularly bad situation, and to the point that I mean. I, you know, I understand we've got cooler weather coming in, you know, starting tomorrow and stuff, and maybe when the breeze picks up, that'll do something about it. But at least for the foreseeable future, I acknowledge I'm, I'm rethinking my outdoor plans, and I'm with you, Dave. Uh, I'm not sitting out on my patio until this problem goes away. Rick in New Berlin. Rick, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Well, okay. Um, yeah, they're bad. I, I, uh, a few mosquitoes don't bother me. Me neither. Right. I, I even, I even kind of give my wife some flack because she's always putting on the bug spray and whatnot. But um, there, I, I own my own business. I work outside a lot, and I'm actually I actually find myself putting off jobs uh, for a week or two until things cool off. Because I, I, even if I cover myself from head to toe in and, and leave only my face exposed, I've got five mosquitoes on my face. <laughs> yeah. It's it's, it's uh, Oh. It's definitely as bad as it's been in uh, quite a few years, if I can. Yeah, I, I can well, no, and it's it's you, you know you're right, and then it's it's kind of like, gosh, I, I got home last night, and I think my we went to the baseball game last night. I got home, my my wife is I, I'm I'm scratching my my ankles because I think when I taken the dog out for her late night walk. Two nights ago, all those mosquitoes are out. What are we going to do? The dog's got to be walked, and I, I did it in gym shorts, and my ankles just got chewed up. And I'm sitting there yeah, scratching and, it, and they're and they're infiltrating uh, houses, yes. and restaurants. I mean, you can't get away from it. I mean, it, you you open the door to your house for uh, thirty seconds, and ten mosquitoes fly in. Yeah, so <laughs> right. There's, there, there's very little escape at this point. Got it. So we're in the, we're in, we're in the same leaky boat, in other words, huh? Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Now, thanks for the call, um, Jeff. You are not a mosquito wimp. Thank you very much. Um, the mosquitoes have been horrible the last two or three weeks. We have not eaten out on our patio because of them. We are hoping for a first frost soon. We like to take a bike ride and spend outside on yard walk and work on everything else. But you're right. We are changing our plans because of them. I, I will tell you. I mean, I told this story before. We um, over Labor Day weekend we bought. As an anniversary present, we bought e-bikes, you know, the things that I haven't been on a bicycle in 30-some years, but I've ridden this e-bike a couple times. It's, you know, it just, it makes it easier to ride, to ride a bike, and it's it's a lot of fun to do it. You still have to pedal and get exercise and all, but I will tell you, I'm, do do I want to go on a 15-mile bike ride, um, knowing that if I stop a couple places, I'm probably going to get chewed up? No, not, not for the moment. Dave and Sheboygan. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Dave. Yes. Hi, so I'm a I'm actually a bow hunter and hunting just opened this past weekend and I haven't oh. even stepped in the woods yet <laughs> to put up a stand, the cameras, nothing. It, 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 you just get you can't even get out of your vehicle and, and you're swarmed oh. with these darn mosquitoes. Oh yeah, I mean, and and the woods. Oh my God, I, <laughs> I it would it would just be horrible. It would just it had to be just horrible to be out there. Yeah, and then um, like last night. I'm going fishing this weekend, so I thought, okay, I got to put new line on my rods. Well, I was in the garage trying to do that. You can't. <laughs> yeah. So I'm in the I'm in the living room. My wife walks in. I'm in there with my fishing rods, putting string on my lines, and going through my tackle box. So I, and I'll tell you, I'm going up north, and if, if the mosquitoes aren't taking 
go on. Even a wind, if there's a breeze, it would help. Right. Um, I don't know how much fishing I'll even be doing this weekend. So yeah, I, well, I don't think. I mean, it's in, thanks to call. It's interesting. I have a text to that. As a matter of fact, guy says, Jeff, I, I hear you. I went fishing Sunday morning, and while I was launching the boat. I swear they were waiting around my vehicle, stalking me, waiting for me to get out. So thankfully, out on the water, they weren't as bad. That's from Mike in New Berlin. It's just, you know, it's uh, horrible. Richard in Sullivan. Richard, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Richard. Yes, Jeff. I guess. I, I live out in a rural area, and the mosquitoes are very vicious. And But I, I li- sit outside on my patio or or in my hot tub, I'd have a large fan. I just keep it on low and sit out there yeah. and enjoy the outdoors. Well, yeah, I mean, if, if right, no, I mean, I think so. I mean, I, I get it. I guess if you got a fan to move them along or something, but that's not gonna, you know, that doesn't help you necessarily when you're on the golf course or launching the boat or you know sitting down at the on the outdoor patio of the restaurant. It, it is. I, I've. I have several friends who are involved in the restaurant industry, and, and that's one of the things they've been saying to me for the last couple of weeks that they're in some cases no. I, if, if in some cases I know people who have closed their patios because nobody wants to eat out there because of the mosquitoes, and other places where they've opened the patios, the response has been, "Well, you know, we open it. People say, okay, we'll try it.' They go out there, and then five minutes later, you know, they, they want to move in because the bugs are so bad." I thought that that happened to me. You know, it was last week sometime. I, you know, we were at a place, nice outdoor patio. Nice evening. I said, let's try it. It was Fran and I and a couple of friends of ours, and about 10 minutes into it, we're all swatting, and it's kind of like, okay, t- time to go. No larger point here other than if you think they're bad, we're all in the same leaky boat. Uh, here's a text. Jeff, there's a highly sought-after photographer in the Fox River Valley area where we live. We were lucky to get an appointment on Saturday for our family and dog. The pictures would be taken outside. We're canceling it because we can't stand to be outside for more than two seconds. Um, yeah, and, you know, you could oh, here's a text. I was at the Brewers game last night, and the mosquitoes were even bad in the stadium. Huh. Now, I, I didn't notice that where I was sitting. I was at the Brewers game as well. But bottom line is, if you think they're bad, they are. If you're concerned that, gee, am I being a wimp because I'm not doing this or not doing that or not doing the other thing, I don't think so because they are particularly bad. And, again, as somebody who likes warm weather, it doesn't make me wish for the first frost, but a little bit of cold weather to clear some of these out wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. 1248, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 1251, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Here's a text. My daughter had an away soccer game on Monday at Lisbon Oaks Soccer Field in Sussex. It was absolutely amazing because we did not encounter a single mosquito. We couldn't believe it. Was curious if they sprayed the field or something because it was just so crazy to have a pleasant experience outside. That's Jen. Uh, here's another text. We live on the Fox River and haven't even put our patio furniture out this year. I stay inside from June until October. It might be November this year. Jeff, my sister-in-law's school had their first indoor recess due to mosquitoes. Huh. All right, we're not going out and play on the playground. It's uh, too many mosquitoes that are out there. I, well, yeah, I get it. We're all in the same leaky boat, though. Hey, let me give you some good local news here. Um, Summerfest, and, and if you are a regular listener to this program, you know that I am a, a huge supporter of Summerfest. I think Summerfest, together with State Fair and a number of other activities, it, it's really, it it is... I'm going to say it's a local treasure, but it's it's a regional sort of treasure. And Summerfest, I believe Summerfest is run right. I think Summerfest is a model for what you should be doing to figure out how to to make the these sort of public entities. And I understand it's not publicly owned, but how how to make it 
how to make it work. And, you know, the new developments coming out of Summerfest today, and they had announced earlier that they were going to do a major remodeling on the, the big amphitheater down at Summerfest. It used to be the Marcus Amphitheater. Now, of course, it's the American Family Insurance Amphitheater. But there was a meeting today at Summerfest, and the, the board, it's Milwaukee World Festival, um, approved $50 million to to redo the amphitheater. Now, they're not going to level it or anything like this, but what they're going to do is they're going to do this in two phases. This year, and by this year I mean like starting now, running until the Summerfest opens up in 2019, what they're going to be doing is they're going to be redoing all the dressing rooms and they're going to be raising the roof. They, they do that all at the same time because apparently structurally it's tied together. And then what they're going to be doing is the second phase, they're going to be doing construction that's going to include the entire building, including renovation and reconstruction of ramps and railing and seating and concessions and, and all sorts of things like that. Um, the original amphitheater opened in 1987. So, I mean, it's been around for... 97, 207, you know, 30 years. And if you go to the amphitheater, I think, you know, in some cases you say, well, this, this, this looks okay and it looks like it's serviceable. But when you compare it to some of the newer facilities out there, you start to understand how it's a little bit outdated. And then you look at some of the things they can do. And I think you're going to find this when you go to the new Bucks Arena and you compare the new Bucks Arena, the state of the art facility, and you compare it to the experience you had at the Bradley Center. And it's going to be like night and day. And I'm not dissing the Bradley Center, all right? I, but but you're going to see, you know, it, it's a different ballpark in, you know, 2018 than it was in 1987. And, and you're going to start to see that from fan amenities. And I think that's what they're planning to do with Summerfest. Now, for everybody who says, well, they're, they're spending $50 million, and that's going to be a waste. Of course, this is not taxpayer dollars. I mean, this is, you know, Summerfest pays pays for itself. So, this is something that is designed to, again, I- improve the grounds and enhance the experience of people who are attending the, these concerts. And I think my prediction is, you know, once you see what this looks like after the next two years, once this is all done in 2020, I, my, my sense is I think you're going to be blown away. Because the one thing I will tell you is the folks at Summerfest, whether it's Don Smiley and the folks that, you know, work there all around or whether it's the Summerfest board, I, I think with, with pretty much without exception, they have been incredible stewards of the, the wonderful event that is Summerfest. And when they make improvements to the grounds, they, they do their research, and, and they pretty much always get it right. And if you, again, if you've been down, if you think about what Summerfest is now versus how Summerfest was 10 years ago, not to mention how Summerfest was 50 years ago, uh, it, you, you can see how that's happened. So good news if you are a patron of Summerfest or you like to attend concerts down at the now American Family Insurance Amphitheater, the, the, they've been given the go-ahead, and it's a two-year project that's going to get started, I think, pretty soon. And my guess is two years from now, we're going to all be amazed at what was done. Just saying. 1256, this is Jeff Wagner. When we come back in the next segment of the program, I'm telling you, the NFL has a great game, but I am just, I continue to be amazed at how they can screw it up. Just no question about it. So we're going to be talking about that. PlayStation. Well, they're making some news, right-to-work laws, mortgage lending, all sorts of stuff. But when we come back, we're going to talk about a little bit of football. Stick around. 1257, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 
It's 109. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So glad to have you with us. All right. So Sunday afternoon, I'm at Lambeau Field. Yes, and I was one of those. I was one of those people who actually bought tickets from the secondary market, and I happen to be a Packers fan. Unlike we talked about this extensively Monday. I, if you didn't hear that segment, I, it, it's up on our, our Facebook Live live when we live stream it at facebook.com slash 620WTMJ. But I, I was honestly stunned. I have never seen Lambeau Field taken over like it was by Vikings fans. And, and this, was, this was a Milwaukee season ticket game. And there's no question in my mind, you had a lot of fair-weathered, Fair weather fans out of Milwaukee, the gold package holders who decided we're not going to go to the game on a gorgeous Sunday afternoon, a noon game against perhaps probably the most desirable home game on the schedule. We're not going to go to that game and we're going to sell our tickets to make some bucks. And Vikings fans ended up buying them. It's conservatively 25 percent of Lambeau Field where Vikings fans it might have been actually closer to a third. It was just absolutely amazing. But in any event, so I, I'm I'm in the stands, and we were sitting in the corner above kind of the tunnel where the Packers come out. So in the fourth quarter, the Vikings were moving towards the ends. They were moving in the direction of where we were. Okay, So they're, they're, they're coming towards us. And I'm, I'm watching the play, and I see their quarterback go back, and he throws this long pass. And, of course, now, a couple minutes earlier, they'd thrown this long pass, and the Vikings wide receiver ran past Devon House like he'd run past me, caught the ball, and scored the touchdown. So I'm watching this this throw, and, and Cousins grossly overthrown, and the rookie cornerback goes back and catches it. And I remember, oh, that's great. They've intercepted it. And I I was standing up, and I was doing my West, best Wayne Larrabee, there is your dagger, and all that. And then we're everybody's high-fiving and celebrating. And then you look back and you see that there is a penalty flag on the field. Oh, my gosh, what is this? And then then they say that it's Clay Matthews roughing the passer. And now one of the things that they do at Lambeau Field that they don't do anywhere near enough of at Miller Park, and if you're a regular listener, you know this, is they show replays of everything. You know, at Lambeau Field, they want to make – they want to take the great experience of being there in person, but they also recognize that, you know, at home, people get to see replays of things. So they show the replay up there, and I watched the replay. I believe they showed it twice, and and this was a game-changing type of play, and I didn't see anything that Matthews did wrong. And everybody's going, well, what, you know, what, what happened? He was, it was a pressure sort of thing. He didn't lead with his head. He didn't throw the guy on the ground. Unlike two weeks ago where he had this bonehead play and clearly hit him after the ball was gone, this was all sort of one continuous play. Why is this roughing the the passer? And, all right, listen to all the different people calling in on WTMJ as we were driving back from Lambeau Field. That was the conclusion. I actually got home, and I I watched the play a couple times at, at home, and it looked to me like it was a normal football play. And I actually said on Monday... When I was kind of given my summary of the game, I said, well, you know, I, 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 this was a game-changing play, and clearly the officials got it wrong, and the head referee, the referee, I think probably should have been disciplined and called out, and the NFL should apologize. Well, the NFL hasn't apologized. As a matter of fact, the NFL has doubled down on this particular play, and they're saying, oh, we're not only going to stand by this call, we're going to send this out as an instructional thing of telling people what not to do. No player and no coach, including a bunch of quarterbacks, thinks that this was the right call to make. And now everybody is saying, well, we, we think the NFL is kind of screwed up here. 
mean, here's what the NFL is about. The NFL wants to turn it into a video game. They recognize, for example, that fantasy football is something that increases the interest in the game. So they want to have lots of scoring. They want to have these big plays and things like that. And they also recognize that, you know, you don't want players getting hurt, particularly the quarterbacks, something I'm sympathetic to. But, but seriously, to say that this is the way we want to play football and we're not going to allow pass rushers to rush the passer in a way that they've been doing for, I think, probably since football was first played, I think the NFL is making a huge mistake. All right, one segment on sports, 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The NFL says the official got it absolutely right. And that plays like the one that Clay Matthews made on Sunday, they should be called, they will be called, and that's how football is going to be from now on. I don't know what you tell defenses. And candidly, if that's the case, we are, I think, moving along. I I think big picture is this is going to hurt the NFL because you're essentially saying, all right, we're not going to allow the game to be played in a fashion that it has, and we're going to allow penalties to be called at key times that are game-defining for stuff that really might not be a penalty. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The NFL digging in its heels on this particular issue and saying, nope, this, these are the rules. I think the NFL is absolutely wrong. And interestingly enough, it's not just it's not just the, the defensive people who are complaining. You know, Aaron Rodgers who had a similar roughing the passer called on Minnesota earlier today, Aaron Rodgers is giving interviews saying, hey, what the guy did to me, that's not rushing the passer. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Joe in Oshkosh. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, sir. What do you think? You know, I'm really trying my darndest to keep wanting to watch the NFL and my lovely Green Bay Packers, but they keep screwing up more and more. You want to watch them less and less and less. It, yeah, it, it, it is. It, it's kind of, and look, and I, I understand that it's all, to me, I think it's all about fantasy football. That's what they've decided to do. We, we don't want the defense. We don't, we want a lot of points. We want these kind of big plays. We want people saying, Hey, my receiver just got 80 yards or whatever, but you're just, you're, they're not letting them play football anymore. They're just not. It's a brutal sport. And that's part of what the, the male macho eagle loves about it. It's part of what I love about it. And, you know what? How about we focus on giving fines and penalties? To- I'm sorry. We. I'm sorry. I lost your. I your your phone call dropped. Your phone line dropped off there. Well, I'm. I mean, look. I I I understand that you want to protect people. I I get the fact that you don't want the rules having the guys lead with their helmets and things like that. That's not what Clay Matthews did. You don't want people picking up quarterbacks and slamming them down on the ground. I I understand that. You don't want people. Hitting quarterbacks, you know, after when they're exposed, after they've thrown the ball and the ball's been gone, and the receivers take the and the linebacker takes two steps and hits them, like Matthews did two weeks ago. Matthews deserved that roughing the passer penalty two weeks ago, but he didn't deserve what happened last Sunday. And to me, it's nothing short of shameful that the lords of football don't realize that they have a major league problem here. Uh, let's see. Here's a text. Let's just give the quarterback flags to grab, like flag football. It's the only option going forward. Drew says, looks like the NFL should just go to flag football. Um, yes. Mike writes, Jeff. 
you are absolutely correct. So are the majority of fans who've already stated it's not roughing the passer. Um, yeah, common sense does not prevail in the management of the NFL. I'm convinced it's not roughing the passer. I don't know how you coach these guys anymore. But, you know, to me, one of the most frustrating things is I, I think it's a fraud on, on the fans. that The people that are, are paying money to go and attend the games and the people that are spending their time watching the games on TV and presumably patronizing all the advertisers, what they are doing, it's just it is changing the nature of the game for no apparent reason. This referee got it completely and totally wrong, and he should have been called out by the NFL instead of being supportive. Jeff in Brookfield. Jeff, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Although I love football, but I, I tell you, it I just kept thinking, okay, I'm, I'm there in person on Sunday. I must have missed something. So I go home, I watch the replays. I didn't miss anything at all. That wasn't a penalty. Oh, of course it wasn't. Clay did everything he possibly could to not land on that quarterback. He did not pick him up and throw him down. That was not a penalty. The referees and then the NFL to support them stole that football game from the Packers. It was it was a horrendous call, and... Uh, as far as I'm concerned, I will watch the Packers faithfully. I will always watch the Packers, but as for the rest of football, I'm not going to watch a game. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, I mean, thanks. It's so, you know, it's so amazing, Jeff, because for the last couple years, there's there's been this debate going on about what is a catch. You know, I mean, seriously, when you think about it, how tough can it be? Well, you know, we we have we have people have been playing football. Generally speaking, guys and gals, you start maybe when you're, what, five or six years old, maybe even younger, throwing a football around in the backyard, okay? We all know what a catch is, all right? It's not too hard. He caught the ball. He didn't catch the ball. For the last couple of years, the NFL hasn't been able to figure out what a catch is. Seriously, how hard can that be? And now you've got this thing. All right, I, I understand roughing the passer. I understand late hits and things like that. But but now you've taken that aspect of the game and you've made it completely and, and totally indecipherable to the point that, you know, it's not just casual fans. It's not just intense fans. It's not even the players. Nobody knows what the heck is going on there. They're, they're ruining the game. And again, I think part of it is all in the name of, again, fantasy football, which to me, it's a problem. It's going to haunt them. If the game has no integrity, well, then pretty soon people are going to say, hey, I, 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 I'm just going to go watch professional wrestling. Marty in Sheboygan. Marty, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Um, you just touched on you know another thing with the catch rule. And to me, it's just amazing that the success that the NFL continues to have being as dysfunctional as they are. I mean, they can't get out of their own way um, with so many things from the catch rule to now this to the national anthem, uh, you know, stuff. It's like every, every, every topic that comes up or everything controversial that comes up, they just make it worse. (laughs) The ratings stay the same. And I, I would agree. Fantasy football is a big part of it. And I think, um, it's also easy to gamble on, um, a lot easier mm-hmm. than other sports. So, yeah. you know, those, those two things right there, um, they're trying to cater to what brings them the biggest rating and, uh, you know, people still, people still, uh, tune in. So. Well, they do, but I mean, the truth is, Marty, I mean, ratings were down 
Ratings were down last year. Ratings were at least, I, I saw the first week, they were down a little bit this year. I mean, you do get to a point, and, and there's a lot of reasons for that. I mean, let's face it, a lot of different reasons. But you, you do get to a point where you kind of kill the goose that gives the lays the golden eggs. And, I mean, they've been playing this game for, for however long they've been playing the game, and now now you legitimately have players we're going, we don't know what we can do, and we don't know what we can't do. I mean, you you got to figure out rules that everybody, including dumb fans like me, can understand. I agree, and I, I, I do think, you know, like you said, the ratings aren't, you know, showing a slight decrease. Um, but I, I think eventually we're going to, unless they can figure out how to get how they, to get out of their own way and uh, not be so dysfunctional, I think it's just going to keep, you know, trending yeah. down, and eventually it's going to become... You know, just uh, well, it could be. I mean, thanks. Eventually, it's going to become it's going to become arena football or or whatever. We're just going up and down the lines. And again, it it just I, I will tell you this: having spent a bunch of money to buy tickets in the secondary market, I had, a, I, had a, I had fun. Okay, and and I understand there's lots of different plays that go on. And it's tough to point to one play, but that was a game changing play that I will go to my grave believing was a horrendous call. And now the NFL is saying, no, 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 that's how we want to do it. Well, I, I don't know what that is. I don't think the players know what it is, and they really do need to get their act together. One to, and by the way, and I don't, I, I'm just telling you, for example, two weeks ago, Matthews, that was a bonehead move. You know, he clearly hit the Bears quarterback way, way, way late. He deserved that penalty. It was a bonehead move. But last Sunday, nope. Nope, 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 and the NFL needs to wake the heck up before they dest- destroy the integrity of the game. And you know where it's got to come from? It's got to come from the owners. I mean, that. I mean, the the NFL has a bunch of owners. They need to get together and they need to say, "Look, this is what we're going to do. We're not interpreting this correctly. We got to get clearer rules, or let's go back to what we used to have before, and then kind of move on." One twenty-two, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. One twenty-six, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. The Green Bay Packers are DC bound with one zero and one record. Will they return unblemished? Voice of the Packers, Wayne Larrabee, joins Gene Miller with a game preview tomorrow at seven fifty-one. Tune in. That is Wisconsin's morning news. Hey, before we leave the subject of football, there's um, I- interesting. I've been to the NFL Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio, on a couple different occasions. Went a couple months ago when Jerry Kramer was admitted. Went a couple years ago when Brett Favre was admitted. If you get a chance to go see the Hall of Fame, it, it is it is very cool. And actually, Canton, Ohio, believe it or not, is actually growing on me a little bit. But and if you get a chance to go over Hall of Fame weekend, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I've enjoyed it quite a bit. The NFL legends, number of the people who are in the Hall of Fame, they are now saying, and this includes people like Joe Namath and Jim Brown and Lawrence Taylor, they are saying that they're not going to show up anymore for the annual induction ceremony in Canton unless they receive health insurance and an annual salary. We, the undersigned Pro Football Hall of Famers, were integral to the creation of the modern NFL, which in 2017 generated $14 billion in revenue. But, you know, they gave us a gold jacket, a bust, and a ring, and that was it. And and we want more from it. Huh. Well, I guess, I mean, I wish them good luck. And if they've got the opportunity to do it, that that's great. But I don't think I would be holding my breath on that particular one. I think the general attitude is going to be you got paid when you played and you got all these different types of endorsement deals and things like that. And now you go out and you sign autographs and you make a whole bunch of money based despite the fact that your playing career ended years and years ago. 
I, if the NFL's got money to give pay these guys it, I, I'd say that that's great, but I wouldn't be holding my breath on that. It's 128. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Hey, when we come back in a couple minutes, how much are you willing to pay for the prospect of better roads? It's an interesting discussion. I guarantee it. Stick around. 128, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 137, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Gru is producing the, I, I knew this was going to happen. Are you seeing our text line? It is exploding in conversations about Yetis, including people who are offering to give, give Melissa Yeti. No, we cannot, we, we thank you. We appreciate that. We cannot take that. We, we cannot accept that. But number of people, um, let's see. Here's one. Uh, go with the knock. See, I don't know about this. Uh, here's the, there's a, there's a generic Yeti at Aldi for like seven bucks. I have two. I, I don't know. I don't know if the generics work as well as like the, the real stuff, but I've got a couple of these. I'm just telling you, it's maybe this is how my mind works, but it's like, it's this amazing sort of stuff. The ice, the ice is still there. The coffee stays hot. The, the soda stays cold. It's just, it's amazing. America is in fact a great country. All right. Which brings me to what I want to discuss next. One of the issues in the upcoming race for governor is is roads. If if you were up at Lambeau Field, you you had they, they had a plane on Sunday that was flying around. There, there's the, the Road Builders Union, which is if you wanted look in the if you want to look up the definition of ungrateful, you know what's in the dictionary, you will see a a picture of. At least some of, for example, you will see a picture of the operating engineers who, the, the, this union, they're the one that's behind the whole Scott Holes billboards and stuff like that. Because for years and years and years, they have been being showered with, with road, road builder money, but they want more. They, they always want more. So now they've decided, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna turn this into an issue and we're gonna try to defeat Scott Walker because we think if Tony Evers gets elected, he'll put even more money into the roads. It's not like, it's not like we haven't spent a whole bunch of money on road construction projects. Mark, let's think of the last couple of years around here. Marquette Interchange, Zoo Interchange. You've got the commitment for the expansion from, um, again, the county, Milwaukee County line down to, down to the Illinois line. It's not like we're not spending a lot of money on the infrastructure, but again, you've got some of these construction unions and they want more and more and more and more and more. And if you don't give them everything they want, well, they decide that they're going to turn on you. But, but there is a reality. That, that comes with talking in this fashion, with saying, okay, well, no, I don't think the roads are in very good shape. And, and admittedly, this is not a unique problem to Wisconsin. I mean, you've got aging infrastructure all over this country. And, you know, roads, you drive anywhere and you're going to find bad roads. That That's just the reality. But to rebuild roads takes a, spe- takes a, a ton of money. And it just, that is just the reality. And the question becomes, where is that money going to come from? Now, in Wisconsin, we generate most of the state money that's used for road rebuilding from the, the registration fee, 75 bucks per car for the state. And then as we've talked about before, there's extra wheel taxes. For example, if you live in the city of Milwaukee, you gotta pay more. If you live in Milwaukee County, you know, Chris Abley charges you 30 bucks. He wants to charge you 60 bucks. All, all those types of things. So that's its registration fees. And then it's the gas tax. Right now, and, and let me just kind of round up. Right now, approximately for every gallon of gasoline you purchase, 
And, and what was gas? I was driving around today, get about 285 a gallon. I, at least where I live, I saw a lot of 285s. Maybe you could find it cheaper, maybe a little more expensive. But right now, the state gas tax is about 33 cents a gallon when, when you, you, you combine everything. It's 33 cents a gallon. The federal gas tax, the excise tax is 16 cents. So you're, you're talking right now about 50, approximately 50 cents a gallon in tax for every gallon of gas you buy. So you, you stop off, you put 10 gallons of gas in your car. Let me see, carry the one. About for every 10 gallons you purchase, you're, you're paying about $5 in tax. So you, know, you, you can figure out what that is. All right, the gas tax used to go up in Wisconsin, used to go up every year, and politicians not wanting to vote for a tax increase, they set it up so it was, quote-unquote, indexed for inflation, and it automatically increased year after year, and nobody had to take a vote. You know, it's just fine, we're going to continue to t- increase people's taxes, but we're not going to take a vote on it. Well, that has stopped, and the gas tax has been frozen at around 33 cents for a number of years now. So here's, I, I want to have this serious discussion, because one of the frustrating things to me about the political discussion that's playing out is, all right, you, you want to spend more money on roads. Great. Tell me how much money you want to spend and tell me where that money is going to come from. And for people who are talking about increasing the gas tax, and, and by the way, that's, that's the easiest, most effective, and most likely way. All right, my question is, how much of an increase in the gas tax are you willing to pay? Now, like I say, right now it's about 50 cents a gallon. So let, let's assume you put 10 gallons in your car. I know some people put less. I know some people pay, put more. But every time you fill, let's assume you've got an average tank, it's 10 gallons. Every time you fill up, you are paying $5 in tax. All right. What are you willing to spend? Let's say you want to Let's say you want to add 18 cents to the, the state gas tax. So that would make the state gas tax 50 cents a gallon. You add the extra 16 cents of federal tax. So now you're talking 66 cents a gallon. So, I mean, every time you fill up, then you're paying $6.60 in tax. Every time you fill up. Are you willing to pay more in gas tax? And how much? A dime? A quarter? 50 cents, a dollar, how much are you willing to pay? So for everybody who complains about the state of roads and the unions that want more and more money to do, you know, construction projects and stuff, let's have an honest conversation. Are you willing to pay more in gas tax than you already do, which, like I say, right now is about 50 cents a gallon? Are you willing to have it bumped to 75 cents? Are you willing to have it, it doubled? And I understand I'm combining federal and state tax, but you know, a dollar a gallon, would it bother you if you pay $10 in tax for every 10 gallons instead of, I don't know, 50 cents a, a gallon? Are you willing to pay more and how much more? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Because here's the truth of the matter. If you say, I want better roads, and I don't mind paying a little more in gas tax, well, truth of the matter is, a cent or two cents or three cents, you're not talking about any sort of significant money, especially since 
as you increase the gas tax, usage goes down. So, uh, all right, tell me how much more you are willing to pay, if anything. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a minute. It's 145, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 149, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. I mean, seriously, this is the conversation we have to have. Oh, I want to have better roads. I don't mind paying some more in the gas tax. Okay, tell me about that. Right now, gas tax is about 50 cents between state and federal. You raise the state sales tax an extra quarter, which, by the way, is not not out of the realm of, of possibilities. If, if you give you know some of these union road builders what they want, they'd say, well, that, that's at least a good start. So that's going to add an extra 10-gallon fill-up, an extra 250 in tax. It's going to increase the cost of a gallon of gasoline. Right now, without tax at all, it would be 235. It's 285. It would take it to 310. All right, are, are you willing? Are you willing to do that? Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Hi, Dave. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm good. What do you think? No way. Number okay. one, a couple of different reasons. I, mean, I cut right to the chase. No, no, that's, that's right. Don't bury the lead, Dave. Go ahead. Well, no, yeah. no way. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple of different reasons. Number one is there's no assurance because it gets buried in the general fund because it's not segregated yet. And we don't need another Doyle-type situation where all of a sudden it gets raided. Right. You know. And number two, we still have the, we still have the stupid minimum markup law. Yep. Which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. What is that from 1934? Right, 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 right. That, that says that, that essentially says you can't sell gasoline below a certain price right. point um, because we want to. I don't know. We, we want to make sure no company has a monopoly. You're right. If if it made any sense in 1933, fine. But it doesn't in 2018. You're right. Yeah, I, and, and the thing is, is is really if somebody you know took a good look hard, you know, a good hard look around. They can, they can, we, there's other ways to save. I mean, there, there really is. It's just, right. you know, and the, the worst part, the scary part is, is again, because it's not segregated, you know, you know let's say Walker, after his, this, if he gets reelected for this term and after that, also there's a Democrat after that, well, <laughs> you got another Doyle rating. Well, well, right. Or, or, I mean, thanks. See, I, 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 I mean, look, I agree with you. First of all, I've always said this. I am not convinced that there is not just an incredible amount of waste that, that goes into the way we take care of the roads. And I think part of it is the fact that we have showered dough on road builders and the road construction unions unions for years and years and years. And look, and I'm not anti-road. I drive on these same roads as well. I think it is important to have, you know, a, a good infrastructure. I mean, I candidly, I mean, when I think of all the money they're spending on that stupid trolley in downtown Milwaukee, and I, I understand the whole thing, well, it couldn't be spent on the roads. But, you know, you want to talk about a waste of $100 million that could have been, that should have been able to be used to repair roadways and things like that. And instead, you're going to build this, this crummy streetcar that nobody's going to ride and, and sounds like, you know, dying antelope if you listen to the sound of it. I mean, that's... That's what we should be be doing. But I mean, I for people who are saying, "All right, no, we want to improve the roads and let's increase the taxes." All right, I mean, somebody, some intrepid journalist should be asking Tony Evers, "How much are you willing? How much are you talking about increasing the, the tax? Tell me what you want to do and what do you think that's going to accomplish?" Because seriously, to, to generate the type of money they think they're talking about, I, you're, you're talking about ten cents, twenty five cents a quarter, maybe even more. 414-799-1620. Roger in Wauwatosa. Hi, Roger. You're on WTMJ. Hey, how are you doing? Good. Okay. Doing how, today. I'm, I'm actually from Brookfield, but okay. I'm in Wauwatosa. How much, should we, how much should we increase the gas tax? I think the tax is high enough, personally, but I'm not 
I'm, I'm not totally opposed to having cost, you know, living increases on mm-hmm. on the tax. I mean, it's only reasonable things get more expensive with time with inflation. Um, but I had another question, um, and maybe something that maybe I'll be able to consider. Uh-huh. I just got back from a long trip out to Maine. My wife and I drove out there and drove back, and you know, we had to pay tolls the entire way out there. Mm-hmm. We have a toll, easy toll little device we put right. on our dashboard. And every time we drive to Illinois, everybody knows we pay the tolls. Right, you I go through that. It's that automatic thing. You put money in the account or it's tied into yep. your master charge or whatever. Sure, yep. Right, and a little ticker, you put it on your dashboard. Right. And it takes someone out on that. You don't have to stop or anything. Very convenient. But, you know, I, I just had this feeling that, you know, why do I have to pay for roads in all these other states? <laughs> People get to drive in our state for free. Right. I just wonder if tollways haven't been um, thought of as, I'm sure they have, as an option here huh. for the future. Uh, well, I mean, th- th- that's one of the things that's being, that's being you know, considered. The problem is that you, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, we should put, them on, we should put the toll booths up at the, we, we should go after the people from other states and stuff. Well, you can't do that. You have to, it, it means that everybody would have to, to pay um, I, I, I look. I, I think toll roads is something to look at, but again, I think tax increases ne- need to be the the last alternative that you consider. And I, I think that that's lost in the discussion is how much money we we really do spend. I mean, I, I tell you, over the last eight years, I mean, you know, we we spent billions of dollars, be as in billions of dollars, in road construction and road improvement. And of course, the problem is it's never enough. For, for the people that, that have their hands out and want more. I, I would love to see the bidding process that goes into this. I, I'd love to know how that you can build a road and then two years later you've got all these problems and you have to go fix it again. I, I just, I mean, the devil is in the detail. Now, I, I appreciate what you're saying. If, if costs go up, should you have some way of doing some sort of indexing and all? And I'm not necessarily opposed to that, you know, if the cost of living is going down. Now, keep in mind, cost of living has been pretty flat for the last few, few years. I just don't think in that case it should be automatic. If somebody wants to come in and say, okay, the, the cost of living has gone up, you know, 2%, let's vote on this, and we're going to increase it 2% or whatever that's going to end up being, that, that's fair enough. And I think that, but again, I don't think it should be automatic. I think the politician should have to have to take that vote. All right, let's talk to Ken in Kenosha. Hi, Ken. You're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. All right, how much should we increase the gas tax? Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. <laughs> you keep on throwing this tax word around. You, you must have a lot of Democrat friends and that that just love the tax people. No, no, I'm not advocating it. I'm just asking because that's this discussion here. The gas tax is too low. Um, we we need. We need to increase it, and of course, nobody is nobody is talking about what that means. Well, Jeff, I I, I tend to think outside the box sometimes, and and luckily, our Supreme Court gave us a great opportunity earlier this year to um, maybe use this uh, uh, thinking outside the box. You know, they allowed for states to have sports betting now, and if if <laughs> Wisconsin went ahead and did this. And, and and I'm talking about the state doing this, not not giving it up to the current casino owners right. in the state, the state running this. Um, we could line our streets with gold. And and and, and when I say streets, um, I, you know, I'm talking interstate highways and and things that the governor controls. Because when when people talk roads and how bad a shape they're in, 
I see a lot of bad roads in cities where maybe it's controlled by the Democrats. Uh-huh. Right. Um, I, I'm not seeing it much on the interstates, you know, stuff that's controlled by the governor. But um, I digress a little bit here, getting back to the sports. No, no but you're, you're, no, I get it. I mean, think your, your idea is to try to find some sort of alternative revenue source, whether it's sports betting or whatever. I, in, in Living in the real world, I, I don't think sports betting is going to come to Wisconsin anytime soon. Um, I mean, but I've heard other out-of-the-box ideas. It's like, well, we should allow the sale of marijuana, and we should take, you know, the tax revenue that you generate from that and put it on the roads. Now, there is an irony here about how, here, you know, get high, and then we're going to use whatever you're paying to get high to. We're going to use the taxes from that to improve the roads. But there, there's out-of-the-out-of-box thinking. I guess, see, to me, as a starting point, this idea that, all right, if you just have more money and throw more money at a problem, then the problem goes away. And I guess I, I reject that. All right, you know, you, you can take, you can put, all right, so we, we already spend like crazy money, for example, on, on MPS, per pupil spending. All right, so if you increase that an extra $300, is that going to change? Are people really going to be better educated? I mean, I, I have serious reservations about that. And I guess I have some serious reservations about that when it comes to the roads as well. You know, if we just have more money, is that automatically going to improve it? Or are there ways that we can, again, increase, increase the efficiency without necessarily, you know, taking more in taxes? All right. And I actually, I like one of the ideas that one of our earlier callers said. Well, let's increase. Tell you what, any gas tax increase to the extent we need it. Why don't we also look at eliminating the minimum markup law? So bottom line is, you know, maybe you got retailers that could sell gas for a dime less than they have to now because of the minimum markup law. Well, then, even if you increase the gas tax by a nickel, the consumers still come out ahead. Now, that's out-of-the-box thinking. It's 158. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 210, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Coming up at 235, we're going to be joined by Congressman Glenn Grothman running for re-election. I, I, as a general rule, if you're a regular listener, you know, I don't do a lot of interviews on this program, but it is the political season, and we'll be talking to Congressman Grothman, old acquaintance of mine from our mutual high school days as he runs for re-election. I also, I mean, I do want to talk to him also about, you know, what's going on in Washington, and I understand he's in... The House of Representatives, not the Senate. But, you know, how how do we proceed? What do you do in the Judge Kavanaugh case? Which is where I, I want to start uh, this th- this section. If during Melissa's news, the you, you heard the reports of uh, a number of protesters who had apparently stormed into the, the Senate and were going to stage a sit-in and saying they were, they're in uh, the office, I guess, of retiring Tennessee Senator Bob Corker. They say, we're we're not leaving until, you know, you agree to vote no on Judge Kavanaugh. And the chant was, we believe women. We we believe women. Now, now this, this has been, I, again, it's interesting because the Me Too movement is kind of, you know, now, now coming to a, a head. Um, there was <clears throat> one of the Congresswoman, uh, I'm sorry, the Senator Maisie Hirano from, from Hawaii. And she had a news conference on Tuesday that's generating a lot of attention. This is, this is what she said. She's, she criticized Republicans for not essentially accepting the allegations against Judge Kavanaugh at face value. Here's what she says. I expect all of the enlightened men in our country, because there must be millions of men out there who are enlightened, who will also rise up and say, we cannot continue the victimization and the smearing of someone like Dr. Ford. 
And you know what? She is under no obligation to participate in the Republican efforts to sweep this whole thing under the rug, to continue this nomination on the fast track, and to participate in a smear campaign and basically a railroad job. That is what they did to Anita Hill. All right, then she went on to say, and guess is who? guess who is perpetrating all these kinds of actions? It's the men in this country. I just want to say to the men in this country, just shut up and step up. Do the right thing for a change. Shut up and and step up. All right. Now, our number is 414-799-1620, and that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let me, let me say this at the outset. I, I don't know if Brett Kavanaugh did anything 36 or 37 years ago. I, I don't know. I, I, I wasn't there. Uh, doesn't appear. He says no. His friend who's been named says no. Nobody else is coming forward to say that they'd ever seen similar sort of behavior. The woman who is accusing him, you know, pretty much acknowledges that she didn't tell anybody for, for decades. But, but yet you have a senator, but yet you have a senator who is saying, okay, well, the, the men around there, they need to shut up and, and they need to step up. And you have, you know, people who are, Storming into the Senate saying, we believe women. All right. I, I wanted just one segment on this because I, I'm really curious as to where you come down on this. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. It, it may well be that, that she is telling the truth, I guess. It, it, it is also possible that she is not telling the truth. And I guess the third option is that she just has a, a different memory of events because our, our memories change over, you know, three decades. But, but I'm intrigued by the idea of, you know, we, we believe women and, you know, men should just shut up and, and step up, which essentially is if there is an allegation, it has to be believed. 414-799-1620. That is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess I, I'm hearing this, and I'm, I'm wondering, what is somebody supposed to do? Are we supposed to essentially automatically believe that just because somebody makes an allegation from 35 years ago that they are, in fact, telling the truth? Um, and, and they make the allegation not under oath, not with any sort of penalties. I mean, it, it, is that the case? Or, I mean, is it possible, is it possible that maybe whether it's misrecollection or failed memory or just mistakes, I mean, is it possible that that maybe she is, in fact, either mistaken? Do we automatically have to say, well, because, you know, we have people who are victims of sexual assault, that any time somebody makes a complaint or a claim with no supporting verification at all, that we have to assume that they are telling the truth. 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess I, I would be particularly interested in the female point of view of, of this because here here you have a guy like a Brett Kavanaugh who, at, at least ab- absent this one allegation from 30-some years ago, there, there doesn't appear to be anybody that suggests that this guy has lived anything other than a pristine sort of life. There, there's no other similar allegations. But now, you know, he's being accused of doing, you know, trying to, to uh, essentially sexually assault this woman 36 years ago. Do, do we do we have to believe that? These protesters are saying, 
we believe women. Well, I, I'm sure lots of women, yes, they're, they're telling the truth. But is, is that the default position that we just have to believe this all the time? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Craig in Milwaukee. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. I'm really glad you, you're bringing this topic up. I mean, you've already addressed the, the issue that somebody can make an allegation and it's hard to prove a negative. And, and what is worse, somebody who, who is accusing someone of sexual assault or doing so unfairly, mm-hmm. which can ruin their reputation. I mean, which, which is the greater crime? Well, and, it, and it, you know, the reality is, it's already ruined his, it, it's ruined Brett Kavanaugh's, inv- it, it's ruined this guy's reputation for life, because whether or not he is confirmed to the United States Supreme Court or not, he, it, just like the Anita Hill allegations ruin the reputation of Clarence Thomas. I mean, Clarence Thomas has been a distinguished jurist for a long time, but all everybody thinks of is, oh, this guy was this sexual harasser. You know, one set of unverified allegations has this effect. So, I mean, it's all over for Brett Kavanaugh, even if he gets to the Supreme Court. No question about it. Yeah, no, thanks to call. I appreciate it. 414-799-1620. And I, I mean, here's, here's the other thing with they need to investigate this. And I guess my question is, well, first of all, in, investigate what? I, all right. You, you have, you have a complainant who says something like this happened 36 years ago. I can't remember exactly where it was. I I admit I didn't tell anybody else about it. All right, so beyond her statement and the statement of the person that she says was there, who says this did not happen, and the person, and Brett Kavanaugh, what what investigation are you going to get? I mean, really, how do you go back, which is one of the problems with, with timing of things like this, especially when it's not a... Harvey Weinstein type of thing, oh, that's a lot more recent, or a Bill Cosby type of thing where you have multiple women who are coming forward and making the, the claims. 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And, and I understand, you got these people saying, we believe women. And, and yes, I mean, I believe women too, but does that mean that you have to believe that everything is exactly like it is presented um, 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Lynn in Milwaukee. Lynn, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. What do you think? Well, I, as I said, I think people do make false accusations, but this woman seems believable because in her position, why would she want to say something like that? Uh and, and well, let me stop you for let me stop you for just a second. You said she seems believable. We, I mean, she she hasn't testified. I mean, we haven't we haven't heard her. Um, you know how how can how can any of us make a, a make a judgment as to whether she's believable or not since she hasn't testified? I think she should be given. I think it should be looked into. I don't think she would just make this up and put herself through a horrible public uh, shaming, really, if you will, I think it should be checked out. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, well, I don't disagree. I mean, thanks for calling. I mean, I, I don't disagree. I mean, I, that's why I, I think the starting point, and I said this, I said this earlier, and, and I, I didn't think they should have had the committee vote today. I think the starting point is to do what, what they did, which is to say, all right, you know, we're, 
we if if you want to come forward and you want to you know voice these claims um we're going to give you an opportunity to do it here here you can appear you can testify and i i think that she's entitled to that now on the other hand if she says well i'm not going to do it or i i'm not going to do it unless i get to do it on my terms and i get to do it a couple months from now well i i think you have every right to say nope i'm, I'm sorry you you have you you have this is your opportunity if if you want to voice it i i don't again i don't know what happened i mean everybody can have different theories as to where Everybody can have different theories as to where we're going, and it is, is it a situation where there's just misrecollection? Or I mean, I I don't know how that all plays out, but I I do know that I mean I think she has an opportunity to to tell her story, and and then you know maybe she says something that, that triggers an additional investigation. But I think that's where we go as a starting point. Two twenty one, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. <laughs> 223, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ, Beth in Milwaukee. Hi, Beth. Hi, how are you today? I'm well, thank you. What do you think about all this? Well, it happened to me when I was 17. I never came public with it. My mother was very sick. She was having a kidney transplant um, back in the day, and I believe her. And it's not an issue of the right side or the left side. I don't think she would have came outward with this to turn her life completely upside down. And every time I hear something like this, my memory is right back where it was when this happened to me. Mm-hmm. Your memory cannot be painted with it. You carry it with you forever. Well, I my understanding is she she says she didn't remember any of this until it, it came out at a couples therapy session in 2012. And you know what? I, I, I can get that because mm-hmm. you block things out. I mean, there were things that I blacked out when my mother was going through her kidney transplant that I don't even remember. Do you? I, I totally get that. Do you think it is possible for a woman to ever make a false claim of sexual assault? I think it can be possible, but I don't think coming out publicly with a case like this, where you have this man who's going to be the judge supreme thing uh-huh. has come out and do it like this. I just don't think so. And, you know, even well, I mean, you had to, you had to do the case of the, the Duke lacrosse players who were accused of sexually assaulting a woman. And that, that turned out to be completely untrue. Uh, I mean, it, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't think, I don't think she has. Okay. And, and, and then another take on this, why isn't he saying, I want an FBI investigation to clear my name? Well, he. Well, uh, I mean, what do you think? And I'm just kind of curious. What I mean, it, it's thirty. What do you think an investigation is going to uncover? It, I'm, and I'm genuinely curious. So, it, thirty-six years ago, she says, "I don't remember where this occurred. I didn't tell anybody. I, I, I haven't told anybody about this. I don't remember where it precisely occurred. I don't know when exactly it occurred. But th- this is what I remember. But I didn't tell anybody." So she says that there's apparently no witnesses other than the two people that she's identified as being there. Both of them say it didn't happen. And I I ask this legitimately. What do you think? What else will investigation uncover after all this time? Well, there was no nobody with me either. It was my word against his word, first of all. Right. An investigation, if I was the one that was being accused of doing something like this, I would want to clear my name. Well, but I guess, and I and I understand that, and I'm not, I'm not trying to. I'm just asking. I mean, I, I just see it's one thing to say. I guess if 
If somebody goes in and says, okay, last Friday night I, I was sexually assaulted and this is where it happened, et cetera, et cetera, you, know, you can go back and you can look at witnesses and you can do that. I, I ask this legitimately. I, I don't know what there is to investigate because how do you go back and figure out what happened 36 years ago where you have these sort of vague sort of things? that She doesn't remember. I don't remember who else was at the party except for these two guys. They say this didn't happen at, at all. What what do you find that? And I'm and I'm asking that sincerely. I don't know what an investigation determines beyond. She says this. These two guys say it didn't happen. You know. But why would she say all this? What does she have to win? Well, I, what is the what? What does she have to get out of this? Well, I I, I mean, well, I mean, I guess. Well, I guess there's a couple things. Thanks to call Beth. I, I mean, I, I guess I, maybe it's a misrecollection thing. Maybe it's, gee, I had this thing suppressed. And I mean, I don't know. Memories change after 36 years. Ask me about interactions 36 years ago, and I, I, I'm going to be vague about this. And I understand that this is, if it happened, it's a traumatic sort of thing. Maybe she's just wrong. But I guess my, my point was, and I, I appreciate your sense, you're talking about the need for an investigation. And, and my question is sincerely, what what does anybody realistically think an investigation is going to lead to? I'm an FBI agent. This gets dropped on my desk. Jeff, go out and investigate this. Okay, well, what do I have? So you talk to the complainant. The complainant says, gee, this was sometime during the summer of such and such. I don't remember where it was other than some house in suburban Maryland. I don't remember anybody else being there. This is what happened. I didn't tell anybody but this is what happened, all right? So you go and interview the two people that she says were there. They say it didn't happen. I, I, I mean, I don't know where an investigation goes beyond that. What, what do you try to do? Go and find everybody who owned a home in suburban in suburban in in Montgomery County, Maryland, thirty six years ago, and said, you know, was Brett Kavanaugh ever at this house? I, that's that is the problem you have with thirty six years going by. Because the truth of the matter is, you're never you're never going to be able to determine definitively whether she is telling the truth or whether her recollection is correct or whether there's a problem or whether he's telling the truth. That that's I guess that's where I come. What does an investigation accomplish? 229, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. When we come back in a couple minutes, we're talking to Congressman Glenn Grothman. Stick around. It's 237, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Very, have so very glad to have you with us. The green and gold, that would be the Packers, are getting ready to head east to the nation's capital for a showdown against the Washington Redskins. Wayne and Larry are in the booth, and WTMJ is with you all day long, starting at 9 o'clock Sunday morning, sponsored by Catholic Financial Life. Be sure to check that out. In the conversation we had over the last couple minutes, it it was extremely interesting, and I'm as you might expect, I'm, I'm being swamped with text messages by people. And I, for everybody who's saying investigation, and and, and look, I I understand that, and, and you want to get to the bottom of it. But I mean, I, I ask this question sincerely, and, and maybe this is just sort of from my perspective as somebody who in another life used to run in investigations. Right? You say we want an FBI investigation. Okay, you are the FBI agent. The file is dropped on your desk. All right. Jeff, Greg, Melissa, Gru, whatever. This is your task. Go out and investigate this. And so you say, okay, let me see what I have here. I, I, I will interview the, the complainant. But, you know, we, we know from the stuff that she has, we, we know what, what her thing is. She says, all right, well, you know, 36 years ago, I was at this party. I don't remember where the party was. I don't remember who hosted the party. 
I don't remember anybody being there at the party except these two people. And then this is what happened to me. The guy groped me and his his buddy was was there. Okay. I I don't remember how I got home after that. Um, And I didn't tell anybody. So there's no contemporaneous sort of statement at all. I didn't bring this up at all until 2012. Well, okay. So then you say, all right, well, you've named those two people. If I'm the investigator, I go out, I interview those two people, and they say it did not happen. She, I, we, we, don't know why, we don't know why she's saying this, whether it's misrecollection or whatever, but it did not happen, period. Okay, so then from an investigative standpoint, seriously, where, where do you go from there? Do you, I don't know, in, and nobody else has come forward. Do you, I don't know, interview well, I mean, interviewing all the people that she went to high school with doesn't help because she just says she didn't tell anybody. Interviewing all the people that Brett Kavanaugh went to school with who might have been at the party or interview everybody who owns a house in, in Montgomery. At some point in time, there, there's just nothing to go on because of the passage of time. And, and that's that. that's just kind of the reality of it. it. It's one of the reasons why in the criminal sense, and I know this isn't a criminal case, but one of the reasons in the criminal sense that you have statutes of limitation because we say that after a certain point in time if the government isn't able to bring a criminal case and admittedly this is not a criminal case but if you're not able to bring a criminal case after a certain period of time it's just not fundamentally fair to proceed because how how do you prove your innocence or or memories change or or whatever and in this case you, you can say we want an fbi investigation but to me that that's a that's kind of a that's a stall tactic is what it is because I I can tell you the FBI investigation isn't going to turn up anything beyond that because there's just nothing to go on it, there's just there's just not and if there was someone else who was going to come forward well I, I think it's pretty clear that they would have come forward by now I was reading a story I think it was in the Washington Post maybe the New York Times today about how apparently the lady had, had had called some other people saying did I ever tell you about this and all the other people said no you you didn't and and again that it, I, I that I'm not even using that as evidence to comment on her veracity one way or the other I, I'm just saying there's just there, there's just nothing to investigate and and again people are also texting saying the fbi has no jurisdiction in this either i'm just saying i i don't know who it is tell, tell me what you investigate how do you go back and try to resolve a he said she said thing from 36 years ago where it, it, even if you had details even if you had details even yeah if it was it i i was at the either the so-and-so house and, and I remember it was a Thursday night, and I remember it was in July of whatever, and, and this was the home, and the parents were in the basement or something, or the parents were gone. Even if you had that, I think after 36 years, it would be impossible to, to make any sort of determination. But you don't even have that. And, and so that, I think, is, is just the reality and, and the problem that, that people have. So for everybody who says an investigation, eh, good luck with that. Well, I, just, I don't see it going anywhere. That's the practical problem that you have. All right, back with more in just a minute. It's 242. Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. 245, Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. Oh, and by the way, for everybody who's texting me and sending me emails, talking about, Jeff, don't go to any more ball games because you are, in fact, a flying Dutchman. All right, I, I admit I was there Saturday. I, I had 
I had a tough Wisconsin sports weekend. I acknowledge it. Went to my nephew's soccer games on Friday and Friday night and Saturday morning. Got bit up by mosquitoes. They lost both games. Went to the Brewers game on Saturday night. Brewers lost. Went to um, the the Packers game on Sunday. Oh, this this is a litany of failure, isn't it? They went to the Packers game on Sunday and and they tied. We we're actually at the end of the game. They were lucky to tie the game. Went to the Brewers game on Tuesday and they they lost to the Cincinnati Reds. So I, I all right, I understand there is a pattern there. Maybe you're saying stay away from these games. But all right, I went to the game last night, seven to nothing, solid win. All right, I'm back in good standing. Right, we've just only got a couple minutes here. The um, I used to play. I, I I will not date myself by telling you what game systems I used to play, but I used to play video games. But I used to play video games before you could hook up on the internet and you can pe- play your friends and you could play strangers and I, 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 I did that. I have tried, you know, because I want to be a good uncle, for example, I have tried occasionally to uh, sit down and play video games with my 11 year ne- old nephew going back to when he was probably like six or seven. And, and what I found is that the video games have gotten so complicated that I, I could I do it? Yes. But it's clear to me you can't just pick this thing up and do it. You've got to play a lot to learn how to do it, or else you're getting killed by a nine-year-old all the time. All right, so I, I just, I, I've got other stuff going on in my life, and I've kind of put that aside. But I do have this kind of nostalgic thing. And, I mean, I think back to the times I played video games, and I enjoyed it. All right, well, here's the story. Sony is launching a retro video game console PlayStation Classic in December. Here, here's the deal. Sony's next video game console is going retro. Um, they announced yesterday that they will sell the PlayStation Classic, a miniature version of their first PlayStation console, and they're going to start doing it in time for Christmas on December 3rd. Instead of requiring discs to play games, the PlayStation Classic will come preloaded with 20 retro games, including Final Fantasy VII and Tekken 3. The classic looks exactly like the original PlayStation, which launched in 1994. Only the classic is about 45% smaller. Um, it was a huge hit for Sony back in the day, and now they think that this, that there's a lot of interest in the retro gaming. They're trying to do the same thing that Nintendo did a couple of years ago, um, in 2016 when they released their, their Nintendo classic. All right. We only have a couple of minutes. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. For all those of you out there that are video gamers, one of the, the cool things about video games now is that, well, it, it's, it's just amazing what you can do. The, the graphics are amazing. The interfaces are amazing. All the different things that you can play are, are amazing. There, there's just no question about it. All right. Is, is going back to the future. I mean, is 1994, will this be a success? Is there enough of an interest in nostalgia to cause people to say, you know what, I remember that from back in the day, and um, I, I want to go ahead and I, I want to play this. All right, is it going to succeed, or, I don't know, has it just been surpassed? Do we need to go back to the future? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Will it succeed? Will it fail? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. I think while Gru is lining up the calls, 
I, I think this is a brilliant piece of marketing. I, I, I do. I think this is an opportunity, uh, again, for, in this case, it's going to be Sony, to tap into the whole nostalgia slash novelty slash retrospective market. And my guess is there's a lot of people out there, maybe they're intense video gamers who want to, gosh, I want to see what this was like, or I've heard about these games and I want to go back. Or alternatively, my guess is there's a lot of people who might say, you know what, I've been kind of on the periphery for this, and maybe I would like to try it. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. The Nintendo Classic, the NES Classic, when they released it in 2016, it was a huge success. And I think this has the possibility to be a huge success, too. Now, for me... I was kind of out of the video game phase of my life, other than, again, trying to allow my 11-year-old nephew to kind of kick my butt from time to time because I want to be a good uncle. But there's no question in my mind that, you know, there's going to be people, you know, maybe, you know, it's the Gen Xers or whatever who've been away from this for a while, but they're going to be looking at it saying, you know what, I think this could be a lot of fun, and I'm going to be, you know, willing to do that. All right, here's the text. Jeff, let's go back to Pong. You know, that you, where you can put up the screen on your TV. Yeah, I, I understand, but this isn't Pong. Let's talk to Joe in Milwaukee. Joe, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. Okay, is, th- is there a market for this? I really do think there is. You know, how big is the probably the question? Uh, I mentioned that I just moved back from Dallas, and there was an arcade bar that opened up that featured over 100 old arcade-style games. Of, like the, like Space you know, Invaders and that kind of stuff, huh? Yeah, Double Dragon, Rampage, right. all that, all those kind of fun things. Uh, I didn't think – I thought it was a dumb idea. It wasn't really necessarily in a big pocket of population, but it was packed out night in, night out. <laughs> uh, generational 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, little kids' birthday parties. So it was very successful there. I moved back to Milwaukee. I see the same thing. Uh, one or two of them have popped up in Milwaukee. Uh-huh. Uh, and, again, very, very successful. And so there's obviously, you know, a lot of interest in it. There's a lot of interest not only from people like myself who are 40, but right. also just, just younger people want to do the whole retro thing. Right. So who, who, I really, yeah. No, no, thank, I mean, no, thanks for the call, Joe. And by the way, thank, thanks for, welcome back to Milwaukee. Glad to have you around here. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's, there, there's that whole retro thing that, that's out there. And I think there's a lot of people that maybe either heard about these games or remember them. And, and, and actually, they're also easier to play and easier to pick up than, than a lot of the current stuff. So maybe, maybe that has appeal to somebody who, got out of playing video games in 1995, but still remembers and has fond memories and said, you know what, I'd do that again if I had something that was accessible. But the problem, again, I understand it's the beauty of current video games, but, you know, you, you kind of age out of some of these unless you stay really current. Okay, here's some text. Being a 30-year-old, I believe it will succeed. We own the Nintendo with the built-in games, and my sister-in-law waited in the lines to order to buy six of them. Yeah, that was Nintendo um, two years ago. Here's another text. I just bought an original NES. I love playing the old games at these retails, resale stores. Yeah, I think you know you're going to see that whole thing you know play out. Um, let's see. Here's Courtney. She writes. I was a few blocks away at Anduzzi's in Green Bay watching the game. Seated next to me at my table was a group of um, you know six. 
gentlemen can't wait for this to come out. Um, let's see. Here's another text. Final Fantasy VII is an all-time top five game. I would buy this just to get that game. Another text. I still have my PS1 with both of the games you mentioned. I also still have my first Nintendo. A PS Classic could be beneficial if you can download other original games. Don't know about that. But I'm just saying, you know, people in this community are excited about it. I don't know what the price point is going to be, but, you know, Nintendo's was 60 bucks. So, you know, I mean, it, it, they're not going to charge $500 for something like this. Yeah, I, I think that clearly Sony might be onto something. And I will tell you, um, I'm, I hope my wife isn't listening to this segment because she's going to think the last thing that I need to do is something else that's going to distract me around the house from the stuff I'm supposed to do. But this actually sounds kind of cool. I, I don't know. Christmas is coming up. It's 2.55. When we come back, we're going to find out what Scott and Melissa and Greg have on their minds. Please stick around.